On today's Stuncast, we review the Gamesters of Triskelion. As Kirk, Ohura, and Chekhov transport to an unmanned station on Gamma 2, they end up on an unfamiliar planet. The trio is then ambushed and must engage in hand-to-hand combat, but they are quickly subdued. Then Galt, the Master Thrall, appears, telling them that they are now Thralls and will be trained by Drill Thralls to fight Gladiator style for their masters, the Providers. Thrall! Will Spock, Scott, and McCoy find their missing crewmates? Will Kirk and Co. survive these deadly games and gamesters? Is Kirk's greatest weapon his sexuality? Find out on set podcast to stun! Hello, feeble-minded humans, and welcome to Set Podcast to Stun, the podcast where we explore, explain, and enjoy the Star Trek franchise. I'm Clint the Q, joined by Chancellor Emily Galron, and Captain Corey. Hey, no time for stupid jokes. You guys ready to do this episode? We gotta jump right into the action. All right, there is What is a that lot music you really like, Clint? Da, 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 da. Corey, I, I like your outfit. There's a lot of leather. But there's not a lot of it, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Are you going to go fight in a gladiatorial deathmatch later on? Well, I'm, I'm mostly wearing uh, the same Target basketball shorts I've been wearing for the last four days. And, and now a very taco-stained shirt. Don't lie to the listeners at home. Corey always comes to our recordings in his custom-made leather diaper, which he holds on with leather suspenders. Uh, He says that the freedom helps him think. They are nice. It's like a magnetic bracelet. Uh, Makes your your heart work better. This just makes my general aura just much, much improved. I always notice that Corey, he's just not thinking right if he doesn't have his leather harness on. Okay, what are we doing now? Speaking of outfits, Clint, I uh, I got something for you. Look in this box. Oh, okay. it's, a, it's a nice necklace. Oh, I'll just should... wear it. Let yeah, you should. Put it on right now. Put it on. Oh. Ah! <laughs> you fool. I've put button technology in it, and now oh, you no. can't take it off. <laughs> How did I not see this coming? Well, that's what makes you a thrall. All right. <laughs> they love that, the word thrall in this episode. Let me tell sure you. do. The thrall and food Scott. and the thrall hole and the thrall world. Skyrim ruined me because in Skyrim, that's like a king. And then in this, it's like the dregs of society. Well, yeah, usually like if you have a thrall, it's like a servant, but someone who's like brainwashed or. Yeah, because those in charge should remember that they're in thrall to the people who put them there, man. Yeah. I got a job performance uh, evaluation for you, U.S. Senate, and it ain't good. <laughs> <laughs> You're on notice. Yeah, well, let's th- let's thrall them all. Oh, yeah, don't say that, please. All right, so let's jump in today's episode. The episode is called "The Gamesters of the uh, Triskelion." Did I say that right? Who cares? The game, yeah. the gamesters of the Triskelion. The yes. gamesters. Triskets as the title of my <laughs> yeah. notes. So, and the just to clarify. Are- no, it's not gangsters. It is game, like a game player. Gangsters. Yeah, gamesters. I, I prefer to call this the gangsters of Triscuits. Well, there is the next episode is a gangster episode. It's, Ooh, so we got that to look forward to. So this episode is the gangsters of the Triskelion. <laughs> it's not the gangsters. Wait, we just had this conversation. Oh, I'm sorry. You guys put... <laughs> Gangsters into my head. It's the gamesters of the Triskelion. Gamesters. They love gaming. They're not gamers, but they're gamesters. This episode aired, it first aired the 5th of January, 1968. So we're in 1968 now. A lot of it's been in 1967. So years work, people. All right. It was written by Margaret Armin. And directed by Gene Nelson. Another Gene. Another Gene? Mm-hmm. Too many Genes. 
That's why Gene L. Coon had to leave. I think the gene pool is getting a little crowded. Ah, I love it. All right, Corey, why don't you take us through this episode? Shut up, Clint. There's no time to spare. I'm going to get started. All right, we're going to hop right into the action. This episode does. Yeah, it does. We are in orbit around Gamma 2. It's like a big desert planet. No one lives there. And we're going to make a routine check on an unmanned science station that's down on the planet. We got Kirk and Uhura and uh, Cheka. Yep. The the Mm -hmm. dream team. They step onto the transporter pad to go warp down to the planet. But to everyone's surprise, they instantly disappear. What? Yeah, there's no transporter effect or anything. So it's not wah, 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 wah. It's just, they just blink. Blink. Or as Spock says, you mean other than how we should expect them to? He's very sassy. I uh, I hope you guys are ready for a lot of Uhura upskirt shots. Oh yeah, that's what we're getting. Jeez. Yep, lots of lots of uh, inner thigh shots of lots of women in this episode. Mm-hmm. So um, at we, first, I, this awakens something in the director. At first, I thought them blinking off the transporter pad was a low budget thing, and they just didn't want to do the transporter effect. <laughs> but like em- like Emily was saying, there's a Scotty's super surprised when he sees this, and he calls to to Spock, and he's like. They were on the transporter pad and they just vanished. And then Spock's like, you mean that's like what they're supposed to do? And then Scotty's all exacerbated. Not like that. I wouldn't have bothered you about that. It's kind of a fun little bit because they're like advancing the plot where they're, I liked it because they do techno babble the right way. They're like, well, we've already run these things and we've already done this. And Spock's like, well, why don't you try this? And then they're like, no, no, we can't. So they you know, this is a pretty serious situation. It's going to take a while to resolve. That's like how you should use Technobabble. I like how McCoy is also freaking out about what should we do? Oh, they might be atomized or something. And then Spock says, well, we have to do this stuff and we can only hope that we find them or do the right thing. And then McCoy retorts, what hopes a human emotion? And then Spock pretty much says, well, I've been contaminated, you know, with enough exposure. There is some contamination to be expected. I thought that was a great little whip. Take that, McCoy. Yeah, it was It was a fun. I noted it, too. It was a, a nice little zinger. I was hopeful that we'd have some good Spock-McCoy action in this episode, which we do, but then McCoy gets a little bit annoying again. I didn't. I thought the interplay was a little bit... Um, Forced? More, more like two people who disagree, but cordially work together than like the racist sparring that it has been Mm -hmm. um i i mean i wish that there was some line where spock just goes like listen i know that you think i'm making the wrong choice but i've been in charge before and i've gotten us out of scrapes like you need to trust me like you need to put your human emotions in me he does say that uh, towards the end or more in the episode where you know they're going off to some place and mccoy and scotty don't agree with them and they're like questioning him, trying to like browbeat him into going back and searching. And we then need to go says, back. We need to go back. Yeah. Yeah. And then Spock says, look, I'm in charge. I've been in charge before. This is my decision. And if you want to change it, you're going to have to mutiny. And then McCoy and Scotty but, but, are like, but he mutiny. says it in a way that's like kind of he's he's joking with them. He's like, either yeah. this or you guys can mutiny. Like everyone kind of smiles a little bit. And I like that. I did like that, but they were like, oh, why'd you have to bring up mutiny? Like, of course we're not going to mutiny. Like, stop being stubborn, Spock. It was, it yeah. was pretty good. I did like the the trio of uh, Scotty, McCoy, and Spock. Yeah, but I mean, I think he does a little bit of like, I'm following logically the only lead. It would have been nice for Spock to like speak their language and use this like emotions against them and, and sort of deepen that divide. But I, I thought the tension was interesting. Hey, hey, you guys know how in uh, Dragon Ball Z, when there's a fusion between characters, you combine their names together? Yeah. Because Spock, Scotty, and McCoy is really hard to say. And I think these three like have a lot of scenes together, uh, especially future episodes. So I vote that we come up with a name, and it's McSpocky when we're talking about the two. <laughs> That's their power couple name. Power <laughs> thruple. Yeah, thruple. I love how much Dragon Ball Z comes up in this start this this podcast about disappointingly a hundred percent through my own efforts and no one else is contributing whatsoever. <laughs> I I am trying to ignore as as much as possible. 
All right, so McSpocky have, uh, like, they get half the episode to themselves, and they're doing an investigation. So we're not going to really talk about them this whole time. Okay, so uh, Kirk Uhura and Chekhov disappear off the transporter pad. They are they instantly reappear in this fenced-off area that's kind of an arena of sorts. There's this big sigil on the, on the ground. That's that is, the Triskelion. That's the Triskelion. It's a, yeah. do, you, do you know what it is? I'm sure one of you guys looked it up. Or yeah, it's a... Um... I did not. It's a Scottish a Celtic symbol. Yeah. Oh, cool. It it well, looks like it's a, it looks just, like a swastika with three legs, basically. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying it is and a swastika. Not at all like a swastika. No, I'm just saying. No, this, it doesn't. Picture in your mind's eye. <laughs> Why it doesn't they a just little bit? like complete? I thought Triskelion was like a made up word. Why would they just like completely just take something that exists? That feels very lazy. They just wanted to use the symbol, or I don't know. <sighs> Weird. I mean, there is like a, a trio theme of this episode that we'll discover later. All right. So the arena that they are on is made up of this. They can tell instantly that they're not on Gamma 2, the planet that they were just orbiting, because as they point out, the sky is different and there's too many suns. And there's the three suns. Then. That's as too many. To, that's too mm-hmm. many. There's supposed to be one. Um, then as they're getting their bearings, where the heck are they? The dramatic battle mu- music starts, and I'm going to keep talking faster so Clint can't interrupt me with it. And these four combatants come out of the shadows in a threatening manner. Um, the Enterprise's crew's guns don't work, so they got to do some good old-fashioned ass-kicking. Let's talk about these combatants. Switch, switch to hand-to-hand combat. Switch to Fashion Week. <laughs> fashion Week. All right, let's talk about uh, the caveman guy first. Oh, yeah. He's got like a fur on with just big old like boar canine underbite teeth. Mm-hmm. Got like kind of a, a homo sapien caveman vibe. Yeah. He's, he's definitely manhandles Chekhov. Zero speaking lines. I wrote proto Nausicaan because it kind of looks like that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Don't you think, yeah. Um, and he is fighting Chekhov. So this guy doesn't have a weapon. He just like beats the shit out of people. Then. There is a dude that looks like Kurt Russell, and uh, <laughs> he has a tiny little stiletto knife, and he fights. He does, Kirk. and he he kind of has the least exciting uh, costume, except he's got like a little leather headband, and he does look like he, Kurt Russell. He's got like the Kurt Russell in the eighties uh, yeah, hair on top. His hair back, yeah, yeah. And he's he's wearing like I would describe it as a tunic, yeah, mm. with also a leather harness. Whatever you have to have a harness. No matter what you're wearing, but he looked cool. Like, like we could just have a whole Star Trek series about him and his Han Solo-ish sort of ways because he was a little bit of a, a rogue, a rapey like. rogue. Yeah, yeah, we'll get there. Okay, and then the last two combatants are, are these two women with these bladed staves and brightly colored Elvira hair. Uh, one of them is going to be very important later in the episode, and they both fight Uhura at the same time. Would you call this ni- this fight lame? <laughs> I mean, the Enterprise crew, I feel like, disarms them very quickly. I mean, I would say it's very typical Star Trek fighting. So, yes, it is lame. <laughs> but there's a lot there's of like tumbling. A... Yeah. There's, there's a part where Kirk is fighting Kurt Russell. And then in the background, we just see Chekhov doing like, he's just pummeling the Neanderthal stomach. Who's not react, like moving at all. It's doing like what extras do with peas and carrots where they just like talk <laughs> in the background peas and carrots to make it look like they're having a conversation but Chekhov is just doing this rote uh punching maneuver so it was yeah it wasn't that great of a fight Chekhov interestingly is usually such a like zinger well oh, we have that in Moscow and he did not have a lot of lines in fact uh I forgot who the third person was and I keep being like oh yeah it was Chekhov like you could have plugged anyone in there it would have been the same yeah, they really didn't get a lot of screen time, Walter and um, Uhura. I like they just swap between either of the actor's name or I... the person that they play. <laughs> yeah. The the line is so blurred for Clint at this point. I, just, I can't they're even all, tell the They're difference. all my friends. Yeah. Okay, so the Enterprise crew gets their asses kicked. And I mean, it's like a fair fight, but in the end, they, they don't have any weapons. So they're all being held at knife point, And then we get the opening credits. And when we come back, everyone's gathered together. People put their weapons away, and now there's a man clad in a black cloak standing in- I wrote, another wizard! My, my next line is, did anyone write anything about him? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wrote, another wizard! The only thing that stood out to me was the use of the word thrall! You shall be a thrall! I'm the master thrall! But I get, his name's Galt, right? 
the yeah. Galt, Master Thrall of the planet Triskelion. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's it. I mean, he has a no, nothing good. You guys didn't write anything. They I mean, did, I liked him. They did have one nice little editing trick here where uh, he's like, I've been sent to welcome you. And then they smash cut to the Enterprise being chained in a dungeon. And I thought that was a, a little clever little editing bit. The, the crew members of the Enterprise. Some of the cuts were weird, though. Did you guys notice that one cut yeah. where Galt yeah. was walking towards Kurt, Kirk, and then it just cut to a, an image of him, but he was just standing still, and then he cut back, and he was walking again? There were some weird cuts like that. There was one time where I just thought like his memory, like Kirk's memory blanked out, because he went from being, being held captive it, like in the courtyard and then he's chained up against a wall but it made it seem like it was like deliberate like he, his consciousness skipped does that make sense at all yeah, oh, yeah. i there there was some very uh, ambitious editing. cuts in mm-hmm. this episode like far more than we normally see and uh i don't know if that's like an artistic choice i think there's one or two where i was like oh that was cool but i wonder more if it's like a budget issue like they would have liked to reshoot, but they didn't have time or money, and so they just had to kind of make it work. This is the first episode that Gene Nelson ever directed, and they said they they liked it, but they never asked him to come back. But they it did say <laughs> um, that they reacted positively to to the way he that did lady his job. that did Charlie X got to come back. She got a second chance. Yep, this well, isn't she, a terrible. She episode. wrote it. She didn't direct it though. I don't think I don't think it was any sort of slight. It probably just like didn't work out, or he got busy somewhere else, right. or something like that. Well, hey, let's let's talk about Galt real quick. So, just you, the thing that kind of bothered me it didn't bother me. I was disappointed that Galt doesn't really get fleshed out more because he seems like a really cool character. Like mm-hmm. he's just there basically to guide them through the plot a little bit. So he has like an echoey voice when he talks. He has not a lock of hair on his whole head, like not even <laughs> his eyebrows. His mm-hmm. face is like it looks like they flicked white paint all over it yep yep i wrote he has i wrote he has paint spackled on his face which seems Uh to wear out over the episode (laughs) he gets less and less prominent um and but the only facial hair he has so he's totally bald no eyebrows but he has like a an abraham lincoln beard like no mustache except he doesn't even have the sideburns so i guess it's a goatee with no mustache which Mm -hmm. he pulls off but man if if i went to a bar and saw someone with that i'd be like fuck you (laughs) just turn around I'm out. I would have. So you talked about how uh, this is probably a little premature, how he didn't do anything. I thought it would have been cool if it was like him. He was like trying to tear down the system. Yeah. Almost like he was bored of this whole thing. And he brought he was trying to guide them to be like the rebels. Yeah. And that's why um, he doesn't kill them at all during the episode. Spoiler. The main characters don't die in this episode. But but they they get a lot of leeway. So I thought it would be interesting if maybe he was trying to bring down the system. That would have been a good, that would have been a good twist. Mm -hmm. Uh, But basically, who he is, he's like the master of all the other slaves. They're all slaves. He's like middle management. Yeah. (laughs) I thought he was going to be the the final boss at the end. And he oh, he's going to take too. off his robes and he's just be like, like a wizard of Oz. He's like, it was me all along. <laughs> Except he has like a 12 pack. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I would have loved that. But no. Okay, so Galt welcomes them. And he's like, wow, you guys have a lot of spirit for fighting my my slaves here. They're not his slaves. But uh, he, so he seems to know a lot about all the Enterprise crew members. And this is where we get introduced to I've the been providers. Facebook stalking you. <laughs> <laughs> the providers have been expecting them. Um, the providers are going to make them stay here forever. They're going to train because that's what the providers want. Their old titles are meaningless. They're not Enterprise crew members anymore. They are now thralls. And uh, to, we- now that they're a thrall, they get these collars affixed to their necks. It's a lot. Mm-hmm. And Kirk obviously just hates all this. He's not a fan. He doesn't like slavery. No, you got to suffer a little like, bit. What do you mean? Our titles don't mean anything. I told you I'm on the Enterprise. He's like, I don't care. Not really captain. gets his goat. Um, so that's like the, the entire episode is going to be them trying to get off of this this prison planet when they're oh. like basically being made to be gladiators. I guess oh. that's what they do. Yeah, I want to point out 
that there there's a scene where it's like the next scene after this. They're in their prison cells and they're talking to each other. And they're trying to figure out what hap- what's happening, what's going on. And Kirk posits we might be somewhere else. We might even be in another direct, uh, another dimension. And I like this. Really shows that Kirk has seen some shit, and we've seen him be transported and then end up in another dimension. So like this is just another Tuesday. But you can really see in this episode how Kirk's experience and experiences inform his command decisions. Yeah, that's cool. That's some good development. Yeah, all right. I didn't I didn't notice that. Uh but yeah, you're right. There's another time too where he says the providers uh, they sound weird. They their voices sound mechanical. Are they computers? Yeah, I I noticed that. Cuz I can handle those. He's like they're not. Oh man, I hate these guys. He's like cuz I know how to like, handle that. He was just hoping that he could just yell out random nonsense and then the computers would explode and he's like, "Okay, I'm the- Yeah. Under the next adventure. uh, It's like when Indiana Jones ran into snakes or Nazis. He's just like, oh, man, (laughs) these guys again. At like a certain point, like law of numbers, he's going to have their same adventure all over again, where it's like, oh, it's like a god that you have to feed it all the time. These explosive rocks. Okay, yeah, just shoot its power source. I've seen this before. And then the episode's over in like 15 minutes. I would love to see in a show where all the characters, you think it's going to be a big adventure, but they finish it in 15 minutes. And then the rest of the episode is them like just hanging out. Yeah. I mean, that's sort of lower decks. Like there's a lot mm-hmm. of episodes where they're like, oh, we just got back from doing this thing. And now we're just going to get drunk. I also want to bring up that. Oh, wait, for- wait, wait. Sorry, Clint. Can I say something real quick? Yeah, yeah. Go for it. Hi, everybody. It's me, Corey. I want to talk about Paramount Plus for a second and <laughs> how much I hate this service. And for the most part, it's fine, I guess. I don't I wouldn't want to pay for something and then also get ads for that thing that I paid for. But I think that's just where streaming is heading in general. No, what I want to talk about is today when I tried to watch this episode, I searched Star Trek and a lot of things came up, but not Mm. Star Trek TOS. Mm -hmm. So I typed in the original series, nothing. I typed in Star Trek TOS, nothing. I typed in TOS. You know what I got? Tosh.0. I did not get any Star Trek TOS. And then finally, I was like, fuck. But how, I, how do I watch the show? So I typed in Kirk, and there it was, first thing, Star Trek TOS. Wow. So I don't know what's going on there, but it was annoying, and I almost didn't watch this episode. because Yeah, Paramount Plus definitely needs a little bit of tuning. It's difficult to navigate, I would say. Every time I try and watch a TOS episode, I have to like go into the previous episode and then try and get like a menu to come up with i was trying to find the episode list anywhere whenever i play it it always skips the next episode and goes to the next next episode so i have to Mm. i have to go into the search and go to episodes and like scroll through because it won't find anyway this is deeply boring for our listeners yeah sorry okay (laughs) sorry clint you were gonna say something really interesting so there um, uh, there's a scene where they're looking uh, McSpocky. Right? Yeah, that's <laughs> Is right. Is that what we agreed? Yeah. McSpocky, they're looking for the missing crewmates. And there's a woman, and she's at the science station, and she delivers oh. this techno babble like you were talking about. I like to, one, she's very professional and competent. I really and like she's that. Like, she's like, I found this amazing thing. And then she just gets up and walks away so Spock can figure it out. I was like, what I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, she's like, here's this report. I'm going to deliver this information and I'm going to walk off camera. But then she goes to the helm. It's the first time a woman is ever seen at the helm. But mm-hmm. I like she's just good at her job. Like, you don't really notice her a lot, but it's just a competent woman there at the bridge. You don't have to make a fuss about it. So they, I like that part of the episode. They don't the make only thing- a plot point of her shopping. Yeah, the only thing that scene is missing, where like a lady figures out how to find Kirk, and then Spock takes all the credit for it. The only thing that scene is the only thing that scene is missing is Spock looking down at the note and being like, "This is bad. This is dumb. Go back to your post." <laughs> all right, I figured it out. Uh, so that that shit all goes on. I didn't. I'm glad you guys watched the scenes with uh, Spocky, Mick Spocky, because they they're just solving a mystery the whole time. Mm-hmm um okay so now kirk mccoy i'm sorry what kirk uhura and i'm just gonna say kirk because the other two don't really matter yeah they don't do anything (laughs) they're all taken to their quarters did you guys see that they all had their names like 
emblazoned on the door. No. <laughs> no. What a nice said, little like, touch. Yeah, it said Kirk on his on his prison room door. Um as soon as the door opens, Kirk tries to make a run for it. Uh the three Enterprise crew members try and scramble away, but Galt has a secret weapon. What does he do? Oh, he, he closes his but, eyes and lasers come out. Well, I think it's just an eye shining thing, but basically he he does the equivalent of buttoning them as we do on this this podcast where you you punish people, but instead of orgasming like we do, they're actually in pain. <laughs> yeah. It's that scene though is another one that I really liked because they show Galt doing it and then they cut to a close-up of Kirk's face, like really tie on his face. And he's like, ah, losing his mind. And then you see like a Hura and Chekhov like melting behind him. And it's kind of I a thought harrowing that was scene. really cool mm-hmm. camera work. Yeah, it was a hand cam. It's like a little shaky and it goes to each person writhing. Mm-hmm. You're right. It was, it, was, it was creepy. It was really intense. Galt stops his eye thing and then he's, he's basically just like, please don't do that again. Get into your room. <laughs> So all of their rooms open up in the same hallway. Like they can all talk to each other through the bars. Uh, did you guys like the hot pink bubblegum color of the hallway that they were in? <laughs> I don't know why it was. It had to be that color. but Yeah, it was odd. But it was. Odd choice. It's all a metaphor for being born again, Corey. Can't you? So they're, they're like, they're basically saying this, what the hell is going on? The Enterprise is never going to find us. Then Kurt Russell shows up with a platter and a tray in front of Ahura's door, he tells her that uh, he is now her drill thrall. And then you're thinking, oh, haha, drill thrall, I can make a sex joke about that. <laughs> but he walks into her room and by all appearances starts assaulting Ahura. Like, we can't see anything, but there's a lot of really suggestive shadow play going on in the back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's so, like yelling. Yeah, it's kind of a weird disturbing scene i was gonna say this is actually like a very dark episode throughout but i think this is a really it is a really intense upsetting scene and i definitely have some quibbles with it but or tribbles <laughs> clint take this seriously this is an assault scene i it's not it's, a pepper scene <laughs> it's weird to me how like this scene happens and then it just they just move on like it's not like i i I didn't watch this episode that long ago, so I haven't really been able to like distill my thoughts down. But like it frustrates me that so the way this scene is happening, like Ohura is like yelling and Kirk is like, What are you doing to Ohura? And then there's like a scene of Kirk being upset and Chekhov being upset. And then the guy's like, You're not allowed to do something or other and leave. And then You're not allowed it. to reject me. I think that's Yeah, what, reject selection yeah. or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think uh, I think Kirk is freaking out for nothing. I think he's overreacting. What do you think, Emily? I mean, I His think that crew members being assaulted. He can't see anything. Yeah, I mean, my complaint is that it, of it is that it's Ahura's assault and it's being used for Kirk's character development. Like it's being used to prop up why Kirk is going to kick their asses, and that's that's like a problem with rape and sexual assault Mm -hmm. that is Mm -hmm. still in movies and like TV shows and all kinds of things like that, that there is a male character whose wife was raped and murdered. And that's why he's the way he is, or, you know, Oh, my sister or whatever. And that's a problem that I think persists is this idea that a woman's sexual assault is used as a plot point for a man's character development. Mm -hmm. It's, it's like the idea of fridging. I don't know what that means. Have you ever heard of that? Fridging the Girlfriend? No. It comes from comic books, and I think it's like Green Lantern, but in the Green Lantern, one of them, I forget, it's like Cal Rainer or something, but he comes home, and one of the villains has killed his girlfriend and stuffed her in the fridge. Uh. So the trope is called the Girlfriend in the Fridge. It's called Fridging a character. And so, yeah, it's doing something awful to a woman to give the man motivation or like you said, deep in their story. John Wick does it with a dog. Mm-hmm. And it, well, yeah, I guess not his wife or anything. I just want to say though, Kirk should be freaking out and should be upset about it. And I just want to say, Emily always like says, oh, Kirk is mad and he's being a jerk about blah, blah, blah. And I'm always like, yeah, because someone killed his crew and his, his crew's in danger. So he should be mad and 
should be a jerk about it. So anyway. But the thing that bothered me, I agree with you, Emily. The thing that bothered me even more that was that Kirk and Chekhov then meet their drill thralls who are just totally opposite. It's not like this is what drill thralls do. Like they're, they're both the Alvira girls from the start. Kirk's mm. is the green hair one and Chekhov's is the yellow hair one. Um, Chekhov's is like really flirty and touchy and makes him feel super uncomfortable. But like, yeah, like, and it's like a joke. It. It's like played yeah, weird because yeah. she's like masculine. Yeah. And then Kirk's is kind of, she's like the most just passive. She's just like, I'm going to train you to be a gladiator and a thrall. And we get, he's to like, get don't you know you're eating. beautiful, baby? Yeah, he really leans into it, which I think he's sending very problematic some signals to their captors. It's like, well, he's down for it. Why isn't Ohura, you know? Yeah, he's like, I'm surprised you're a warrior. You're such a beautiful woman. And then she does my favorite 1960s line, what is beautiful? And then You like that more than later when she says, what is love? No, just that trope. I I love it. It's just great. (laughs) I want to say, though, if you're ever going to prison, watch this episode first, because this is this is exactly how male prisoners seduce female guards into letting them escape. I don't know if you guys, it, this has been on the news a little bit, but there's a, a male prisoner has escaped and then also a female guard is missing. Oh, yikes. Currently right now. Yeah. Did so you guys this, see the stats on the on the convict? He's no. six foot seven, six foot seven, two hundred and forty oh pounds. I'm Jeez. someone. I'm six five and oh, two hundred somewhere around there. I won't say. <laughs> uh, but like, if I was ever a criminal, I would not be able to hide. Where am I going to go? I'm <laughs> six goddamn five. But anyway, if anyone ever wonders, is like, how can prisoner men seduce like women? You know, who work around them. Kirk is is a great example of how to do that. No, because you shouldn't seduce people that work around you, <laughs> especially not for terrible ends. Well, if you're a prisoner, you're trying to you know escape c- captivity, like I mean, whatever way you can. If you're a prisoner, I'm not going to tell you what to do with your life at all because you've had a time and a half already. Beeu beeu. Then a siren goes off. <laughs> it's time for the proving. Kirk gets handed his battle harness. McSpocky, they're, they're on their way. They're coming. But back to the action. There's like a cut in the scenes. Uh, everyone's now in their battle harnesses and they're out in the arena. And um, they're all just like disappointingly throwing their battle harnesses on top of their Starfleet uniforms. Mm-hmm. I, I was disappointed be, with that too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, just wait. And everyone's just, everyone's just obediently sparring when Galt interrupts the, the proving by bringing out a guy and he says that this is a thrall who was slow in obeying a command and now everyone gets to collectively beat him to death mm-hmm. for fun so, for practice her yeah. has a nice little moment here where she refuses to hurt him I yeah thought that she's was like i'm not gonna do her. it yeah and it was mm-hmm. i like that i thought it was a good moment but it's also like i also had this moment where i was like that's right in line with her's character like she really is like a uh, very principled <laughs> Starfleet officer. Whenever she gets lines that are more than just like the channel is open, um, she's got a, a lot of backbone. Mm-hmm. Anyway, and then they uh, like whip him. It's really weird. Well, she refuses. Yeah, she refuses to attack him. They all refuse it. They're gonna tie up Ohura, and then Kirk wants to be tied up. And then they're whipping him, and he has to he has to fight the. And he says, uh, "Yes, daddy, more daddy." Yeah. So yeah, Kirk's now going to take the punishment, and his hands are bound behind him, and the Neanderthal guy just starts beating the shit out of him with his whip. Mm. And Kirk manages to jump on the Neanderthal's back and uses his bound hands, like the rope between his wrists, to choke the dude out. Mm-hmm. So. After all of this, Kirk has kind of proved himself, and we hear these ethereal godlike voices. It's the providers. We haven't heard them yet in the episode. And the first thing they say is they just start bidding on Kirk and the crew. One's like, I bid 300 for the newcomers. Quatluz. Oh, yeah, Quatluz. Hey, where does Quatluz come up in Futurama? Because that was such a familiar word. Oh, I don't know. 
Um, another one bids 500 quatlus, another one bids 1,000. They finally get sold for 2,000 quatlus to provider number two, I think. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I forget. And, um, okay. So, Kirk and Co. are now owned by the providers, and Kirk finally sheds his Starfleet uniform. Finally. It's just a chest and leather harness, just like you, Corey. But, Except he doesn't have pierced nipples. Yeah, yeah. Corey or Kirk? Kirk. Kirk doesn't. Have, yeah, that's right. Well, yeah. you had to modernize the look. Kirk's on a run with his sexy drill thrall. Her name is Shaman. Mm-hmm. They're going on a run, and he's just they stop. Um, and the, and Kirk tries to put more information out of her about who the providers are, but she doesn't really want to tell him anything. Let's talk about the lady that plays um, Shauna real quick. Did you guys do any reading on her? Yes, I did. I did not. Her name is. Let's just chat uh, about it real quick. Angelique Petty John, right? Yeah. Great name. She had to become an actress. If you have that name, you have no other choice. She was a model at an early age. She starred in Clambake opposite Elvis Presley really early in her career, which would be kind of nuts for like one of your first movies you ever do. You star opposite Elvis Presley. So she probably Mm -hmm. thought she had a very promising career ahead of her. Not that she didn't. Um, I've not been in one movie, so who am I to compare her to? But she was in like a lot of unforgettable TV shows and movies. This was definitely her best known role that she was ever in. But in the 1980s, uh, she appeared in a trio in 1982. I think she appeared in a trio of softcore pornography films. Mm-hmm. Oh, one of them was Stalag 69, by the way. <laughs> Just so you know, not what not to look for. <laughs> right. Uh, it's on a couple websites. Um, she, but like after that, she recovered her career. She started showing up at Star Trek conventions, and um, unfortunately, she died of cervical cancer in her late forties. So mm-hmm. she had a 1992. But yeah, she actually. Uh, I read a, a fact that she stopped doing pornography when she realized she could make more money by hitting the sci-fi convention. All circuit. right, girl. Yeah, she did put out a poster of herself. <laughs> yes. Uh, she, she put out two posters that she brought to the conventions. One of them, she is in this Shauna outfit. The outfit, by the way, it's very, very skippy. The only thing mm. that's really covered are her her boobs, her lower section, and her, there's a belt around her navel. Mm. Um, other than that, it's all skin. Yeah, but it's a, like she's wearing like a silver bikini. Yeah. Yeah. With, with weird cutouts. Mm-hmm. It's like if she took an emergency blanket you know, the silver (laughs) crinkly ones. Yeah. And then like made a bikini out of that. But she only like had half a blanket to make it. Well, make it work, designers. In this poster, you can easily Google this. Just do Shauna Star Trek poster. It's S-H-A-H-N-A, I think. (laughs) But it's her clothed. And then she made another one of her unclothed as Shauna. We've never been so detailed about how to find (laughs) material. (laughs) So... I just I just want to say too there's a another uh, fun fact about the the casting call called for an Amazon and she said that um she's 56 she said she's hardly an Amazon and the producers laughed and they said look honey next to Shatner you look like an Amazon Oh shit <laughs> Okay so they stop running and it's like a weird conversation because he's trying to get information out of her. Mm-hmm. She's not telling him anything. And then she's like, and then Kirk says, oh, I, this place kind of reminds me of my planet Earth. And then Sean is like, planet? It was a weird strategy that worked because now she wants to listen to more about planets. <laughs> she's hooked around his little finger and um, Kirk's like, yeah, there's so many amazing things to explore out there. The lights in the night sky, which becomes a little bit of a motif in the episode. And he gets her curious about exploration and liberty and freedom. And he tells her about love. What is love? (laughs) So Shauna has been totally worked over now. She is in Kirk's pocket. Uh, But so she she says she's going to tell Kirk a little bit about the providers. And the second she does, her punishment necklace goes off and she goes down. And Kirk is just screaming at the sky for them to stop. And please punish me instead. Daddies. Yeah. Sky daddies. They finally do stop and uh, they release Shauna from the pain. And uh, is the word provider going to be like a new kink term? You know, like daddy. It's like, oh, tie me up, provider. Oh, God. 
What have we wrought? Do you guys uh, do you guys recognize any of the ruins around? Is oh, the it? ruins that that whole scene takes place at. Yeah. No. It's from the man trap with the yeah. salt sucker. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That, the second figured, episode. I figured that it had to be set recycling. I just couldn't recognize it. Also, um, a vine was supposed to grab Shauna and drag her into a pond, and then Spock was supposed, or not Spock, Kirk was supposed to fight the vine tentacle thing. But the producers were like, this would be way too much money. Like, right? we can't possibly do anything <laughs> like this. All right. After she stops writhing in pain, Shauna and Kirk start making out. Just there she's on like, the ground. why would you? Why would you do it for me? Why would you try to take my place? He's like, that's just what we do on Earth. I was trying to help you. And then she says, will you help me again? Yeah, they, I think- yeah, he, he definitely does because he takes her back to his prison room and they keep kissing. And then <laughs> Kirk punches her in the face and knocks her out. Such a Kirk move. What are we going to call that? Are we going to call that the Kirk maneuver? or That's the Kirk, where you pretend the... to love someone and then you knock them out. <laughs> I said that was really a knockout kiss. Oh. What if, the, what if the knockout didn't work, though? Because she was like a trained warrior. What if he just punched her and she's like, ow, what the fuck? He could have just played it off like, oh, that's a thing we do on Earth. It's a part of our... Might... Yeah. It's <laughs> I of... might be into that. Yeah, it's part of foreplay on Earth. Oh, God. Okay, so he steals her key. He's in a cell now. He steals her key, which oh, is I, I just want to say, like, the providers are really digging Kirk. They're loving this new blood that oh, yeah. Kirk and the Enterprise uh, crew are bringing into this planet. Yeah, and they probably like watching Kirk make out with this lady, too. Yeah, and they're always, like, making bets on things. They're like, mm-hmm. oh, I bet 500 that they're not going to survive the next day. So they're really into the gaming part of it. 500 Quaaludes. That's what I would Quaaludes. Bet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Kirk gets out of a cell and he lets everybody else out. Uh, and at this point, I would like to point out that Kirk is shirtless with his battle harness, but Uhura and Chekhov uh, are wearing their Starfleet uniforms with the battle well, they harness didn't over get the their Starfleet uniforms. With, they didn't get their uniform whipped off. Is that what happened? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. I thought he, was, he just took it off. <laughs> no, uh, when the, he was getting whipped, the back of his shirt opened up. Um, and, and then, you know, by the then, transitive law, that means it has to come off all the way. Yeah. Okay. Did you guys see the scars on his chest? Was that from being whipped or was that yeah. from? Those are his, those are his whip marks. Cause didn't, didn't Spock cut him across his chest? No, it was nipple to nipple in, you know, the one where Spock gets horny or has to kill someone. Yeah. The one 15 Ponfar. episodes ago. Yeah. The Ponfar episode. But yeah. Kirk was sliced nipple to nipple. Holy shit. By the way, I thought we were almost done with this season. Uh, I thought there's only 20 episodes in it. I didn't realize there's 30. Yeah, we're like halfway through it. Uh... <laughs> okay, this break, th- they break out of prison, but it's stupid because Galt just immediately shows up and his eyes glow and they're, they're, they, get back, they, they, they get back into custody. Yeah. So there's no point. So the Enterprise finally shows up. McSpocky are about to beam down. But one of the uh, providers comes over the intercom of the Enterprise and is like, you're not going to escape. The The Enterprise is now part of uh, our collective and you're all going to be thralls now. Thrall! So everyone's in prison. Things are looking bad for our heroes. Then the episode turns weird. And I think it's only because they didn't know how to start wrapping this thing up. Because there's only about 10 minutes left in the episode. Everyone's just in prison. Oh, yeah. 100%. Kirk is suddenly transported. 1,000 meters below the surface to meet the providers. Um, They're not robots. No, they're not. They're colorful brains. In a big dome. Emily, are you always, it always happens where you think something's robots and it turns out to be three brains. I mean, yeah. And I keep betting quaaludes on it and you keep taking my quaaludes. (laughs) And then I have to be awake for all of this shit. It was just such a bad setup because nothing had, I mean, I guess they, Kirk was impressing them so much with his cool moves that they're finally like, all right, let's transport this guy down to actually meet us. But it just felt like it kind of came out of nowhere. I just think these guys are so bored that they'll do anything at this point just to spice it up. They say that we have evolved into a perfect intelligence where we are three brains, but now we are bored. And the only thing that gets us off is watching athletic competitions and doing gambling. They literally say that. Yeah. 
I mean, it's basically the stock market. I like, though, Kirk really clocks these guys as compulsive gamblers instantly. Yeah. Yeah. And he knows how to play them. He knows he's how to how to manipulate a uh, compulsive gambler. He says, oh, on humans are the best of the galaxy's best gamblers. So they're intrigued when he has an offer for them. We compete for everything. Women, power, money. The ability to move forward and backward in time. Kirk bets that he can take on three thralls all by himself. No, he says that. No, um, I know. I'm just not. Okay. Yeah. I don't want to talk about it. There's too much shit anyway. Yeah. So Kirk bets he can take on three thralls all alone. If the Enterprise wins, they all go free. Yeah. And the game that they have to play is combat. Floor is lava. (laughs) Yeah. The symbol we talked about earlier, the whatever it's called, it's like. The symbol itself is yellow, and the background of it is blue. Even though so, it looks green. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Kirk gets transported down. He's going to fight three thralls at once. The rules of the game are... Do you guys remember the rules? You can't step on the opposite color. The opposing color. team's color, or they take your weapon away. Yeah, Which get... Kirk does almost instantly. <laughs> and all yeah, the time. Yeah, he does it constantly. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I bust out laughing. Like, the second the fight starts, he, his toe just slips onto the blue. He's like, oh, come on. But they didn't count it because, you know, William Shatner's not an acrobat. <laughs> well, it kind of is in this episode. He's a, yeah. Shatner must have been like, look, I pay women to step on me. You don't pay me not to step on the floor. The other rule is if you, it, it's kind of funny because there's three rules and they say them really fast. Because they could have just done like a spar to the death, but it's, uh, there's, there's rules. The other rule is, is if, uh, one of his opponents are wounded, they get brought in, like a fresh person comes in to replace them. So Kirk has to kill everybody. Mm-hmm. And then the fight starts. And it's kind of exciting. There we go. He stabs the Neanderthal to death. Then he causes the one to stab Kurt Russell to death. Like throw a, yeah, throw a spear at him. And then he misses... And then that one's injured, so he's brought out, and a replacement is brought in. Who's the replacement? His boo. Yeah, but the the first three is yeah, Kurt Russell, the Neanderthal, and and uh, and Dorian, right? I like that. Skinned. That was a nice yeah. little callback. It has mm-hmm. a little antenna. Yeah, so he fights an Andorian, who I guess he's the stunt coordinator for this whole episode. Really? And they're like, we don't have enough money to hire another extra. You gotta hop in, Steve. <laughs> Put this blue makeup on and t- put the, the, these leftover antennas. So now Kirk and his drill thrall have to fight to the death, and they're going back and forth. But Kirk finally gets the upper hand, and he, he has a like knife. leg locks her. Like his legs are around her midriff, and he's holding like a a knife to her throat. And then yeah. she surrenders, mm-hmm. and Kirk wins. Which, by the way, I didn't think surrendering was part of the deal. I know. Um, I know. Why would they even teach her to do that if they don't want them to do that? Like, did like, I she want has a this whole episode? bit about how she was born on the planet and she didn't know anything except this lifestyle. Yeah. Why would she yeah. even know what that word is? And I'm not saying I wanted the episode to end with Kirk slitting his friend and former lover's throat in front of the camera to free his <laughs> Enterprise crew, but that would have been some dark shit, right? It would have been. Actually, Emily, there's a there's a deleted scene. Where Kirk actually explains like the meaning of some words, you know, like she says, "What is like love? love?" Yeah, yeah, and then he go- and then he continues going. It's like, oh, and apples are this fruit. Uh, surrender is to give up. Okay, good, good. Yeah, it was kind of weird that she did that. Yeah. So anyway, the fight ends. They have a final kiss. The thralls all get to have their own self-governing culture now. Oh, yeah, he's like, the brains are going to educate them and let them be free. And I'm like, why do we trust them? They're just going to make them slaves again as soon as you leave. No way, they're going to, they're they're gamesters. They're going to, they always keep true to their bets. I guess we didn't explain the bet very well. The bet was that Kirk can kill these guys and they'll let his crew go, but, uh, and they have to educate and teach the thralls how to civilization. And if and he then, loses, then they get to keep all the Enterprise crew. Mm-hmm. And they're going to do whatever they're told by their providers. Yeah. Hey, at the end, Sean is like, can I go with you? I want to leave this planet and explore the stars that you told me about when we were in love. And you were just trying to use me to get out of prison. And Kirk says, 
ah, can't, sorry, it's against the rules. And I'm thinking, what fucking rules? There's no, there's no rule that says you can't get her off this planet. Does he say that? That it's against yeah. the rules? I thought yeah, he was just he's like, like, I can't. Well, I thought it was more like he said, you have so much to learn here. She's like, but I, I want to learn and like visit these places with you. He's like, sorry. Yeah, it, it sucked. They to, have a final kiss and he leaves. To their credit, I did not like Voyager. I didn't even come close to finishing it. But there is a bit early on in Voyager where they like rescue someone. And she's like, man, I want to get out of here. And they're like, well, all right, come with us. And then she becomes like a regular character. And she is like this, where she's like, I don't know anything. Who is this? Kess. Kess, okay. Yeah. 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 That's a cool way to bring on minor characters. I can see why you wouldn't do that with every episode, because then mm-hmm. your ship would just become this collector's bureau of just everything you've ever seen and done. But that would be kind of a cool organic way to grow a crew out in a Star Trek. Or even show. like just if they had her and then like you had the juice to then like in a couple episodes, she's just like an extra in the background. Like, you know that that's that character and she's still on the ship. You're just like seeing her in the background or something. Just wearing a Starfleet uniform. Or even yeah. if Kirk's like, sure, but I'm going to take you to a star base because a starship is no home for someone learning, you know, yeah, about everything right? in life. Oh, this is her ending quote. Goodbye, Jim Kirk. I will learn and watch the lights in the sky and remember. And then she's crying into the she's, camera. Yeah, the, the ending shot is like a close up on her face and two tears roll down, one on each cheek. Mm-hmm. And then in the background, as the Enterprise is taking off, you hear the da-da-da-da-da pick up, and then it's credits. So yeah. you know that the brain people are uh, going to enslave them again. Okay, so, no, that doesn't happen. <laughs> you guys want to review this episode? Yes, let's do it. Yeah. All right. Corey. I'll go, I'll go first. Yeah, why don't you go first? Okay, I thought it was a fun episode. That was good. The combat mm-hmm. was pretty cheesy. I like the board gambling genius aliens. Like, that was a stupid premise, but it was different. <laughs> Everyone was a gladiator. That was fun. It was just like, there was very little of the plot development that mattered. Kirk's seduction of Shauna didn't go anywhere. That was purely character development. It did nothing for the plot. McSpocky's investigation doesn't do anything because the second they find the Enterprise, they are also uh, part of the bet, right? They have no agency at all. They are Mm -hmm. going to be enslaved. It's all up to Kirk. So all Kirk had to do was kill two and a half people. And then like the episode ends and they leave. It does add to the kill count. It does. But that happens in the last five minutes and everything before that just didn't really matter because Kirk could have killed those guys at the very start of the episode. So I think but, but, but ultimately thumbs up for being interesting and different thumbs down sort of for not having a cohesive plot. So I'm going to say slightly up from the middle. Nice. I do think, though, uh, Kirk's charm offensive, his seduction did matter in the end. I don't think she would have surrendered. If she wasn't okay, then she would have fucking died, and he would have still got off the planet. <laughs> well, now she's alive. So, but yeah, I like the episode. I'm gonna give it a thumbs up, a, a, a good thumbs up, not the best thumbs up ever. Um, but I thought it was a solid sci-fi premise. You know, explored some good ideas, and you know, had a fun little twist. Or I liked uh, Shauna. I thought she was an interesting character. I thought she was fun. Maybe that's just the way she was dressed. I'm being influenced by that. But um, I thought you she, I, thought, <laughs> I, I liked all the, I don't know, the thralls and all the characters and then all the new characters. I am disappointed that uh, Chekhov and Uhura didn't get as much screen time. I, I kind of wish they would have been a little bit more prominent or did a little bit more. But uh, yeah, it was a fun episode. I liked it. Emily? Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I think like when I was listening to your review, I, I almost went the opposite where I was like, I wish they had just taken Kirk and left Uhura and Chekhov on the ship because like their, their presence was so incidental and the like brutality and darkness that just sort of gets heaped on them just felt dark for the sake of being dark which was kind of interesting like the stakes were very real in this episode and i think the enterprise not being able to find them and not knowing where they are right away like made this feel more despair and more heavy um it was it was i think a a much better episode but it was still like difficult to watch i think that like the assault scene and the um like 
the woman finding something cool and just walking away so Spock can talk about it. And uh, Shauna is like kind of an interesting character, but she does essentially become a sex idiot. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, I think this is an episode that although I don't think it's the worst episode of Star Trek, like if I wasn't doing it for this show, I'd be like, I'm not watching this garbage anymore. Like, and I know, yeah, it's like dated, blah, blah, blah. But I think what is most difficult is how it's not hard to find sci-fi shows that replicate those things. And and so that's, I think, important to kind of like unblack box that and not just be like, oh, it was a different time or like, oh, sci-fi is always doing things like this. Like, I just want better of my television. Um, so yeah, I don't know. That was kind of like, I don't want to completely excuse it because it's a dated show. I don't think it gets a pass on that. I think those ideas are worth talking about, even if it is an older show. Mm. Again, because it's super easy to find similar scenes on television still. So that's a little disappointing. Like, that alone is going to prevent me from giving it a full thumbs up. Because I'm just like, man, come on. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, I don't think it was the worst episode. I think it was a little wooly, like it needed to be trimmed down a little bit, but mm. it was, uh, it had pacing. It kept my attention for the most part. I felt like I was on board with what the writers were trying to convey, which doesn't mm. always happen. Yeah. Yeah. And it did have an A and B plot. So we had. Yeah. So like know. when they were saying this is humor, I was like, oh, I'm getting humor. Whereas like sometimes they do things that I'm like, are they selling humor? Cause I'm not getting that, mm. you know? And like, sometimes they're selling suspense but it comes across really cheesy to us but i think Mm -hmm. this was an episode where like they want you to feel suspense you feel suspense so in that sense it holds up those elements or they translate still so i don't know i would say a problematic slightly tilted up thumb hey that's where mine was yeah i would and i would place a lot of that blame for the not really displaying women that well on the network and nbc because I, I mean, not to say that Gene Ronberry is like the most feminist person or gets everything right around this. Definitely think Gene Ronberry's heart is in the right place. Um, but it seems like he's gotten a lot of pushback from the network executives about having more empowered female characters. Like we saw in the pilot where the first officer was a woman. Yeah. And they pushed back on that. They're like, a woman, that's crazy. No one wants to watch this. So I definitely think like Paramount Plus, a lot of the problems come from NBC. So I think that's one reason why I always like to kind of needle things like that, because it's really easy if you have like a Harvey Weinstein villain to be like, this guy is the problem. But Mm -hmm. Most of the time, the problems are more diffuse, where Gene Roddenberry creates this character and the network goes, no one will buy a female first mate or whatever. Mm. And everyone just kind of goes, okay, whatever, and rolls over, you know, or like this plot, like this gets written and workshopped and fixed up by so many writers and producers and actors. And nobody's like, shouldn't the lady who found the anomaly explain it more? Like, clearly she knows what it is. You know, like, so that's where I think I think like misogyny and assault is a spectrum. It's not an on-off switch. You're not a Harvey Weinstein or a totally great guy. You know, it's like in incremental steps. And if you are at the low end of it, great. But you might let some behavior slide that someone's a little bit grosser and then the next person a little bit grosser or whatever. So mm. I, I think that like being the feminist killjoy <laughs> is important <laughs> to like point out that these things are not this executive's problem it's this diffuse culture that just sort of permeates and is nobody's fault and just keeps getting these plots made like it's a familiar thing this idea fridging the girlfriend right yeah yeah no i think that's good to point out and it's good that we don't live in the 60s anymore but i don't know the way things are going maybe we're heading back towards that yeah so i can't believe this episode got that reaction from you and not the one where women are targeted and killed because they're women. I tried to bring up this angle and it was like, no, it's such a bad episode anyway. I can't even think about the the feminism part. What? What episode the are you episode talking about? Where all the women get killed by Jack the Ripper. What's in the no, fold? Oh, what's no in the fold? Whatsoever about any of this. I mean, I think that that's 
yeah, casual violence is also bad. Uh, I think I, I guess I have more of a uh, hair trigger of casual sexual assault than casual murder. Emily loves casual murder. Well, that is our episode for today. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And, and until we see you, spay neuter your tribbles. <laughs> and until we see you next time, keep on trekking. <laughs>